The Revolt of 2020 by Patrick Johnston. Copyright 2011 by Dr. Patrick Johnston. Read by Daniel Meyer. By kind permission of the author, this reading of The Revolt of 2020 is available for free distribution. Stay tuned at the end of this reading for more information and links to additional resources. Part 2. Resistance in the Lone Star State Chapter 12. Austin, Texas Governor Henry Adams wagged his head in disbelief, his eyes fixed on his computer screen. No rhetoric could accurately convey the dreadfulness of what he had just witnessed. He touched a button on his computer and ejected the DVD. He pulled it out and examined it. It read, Tyranny in Bozeman. The video included footage from surveillance cameras and local media broadcasts before the feds took over the story and sterilized it for the nationwide outlets. How can the media hide this from the people? The media must be an accessory to the president's tyranny to not publish what really happened when the feds invaded Bozeman. The past 48 hours had been difficult for Governor Adams. He'd looked stark reality in the eyeball, and his conscience would not let him perpetuate the status quo anymore. He placed the DVD in a plastic cover and set it gently on his desk. He glanced at the stack of boxed mail in the corner of the office, overflow from what wouldn't fit comfortably in the secretary's office. He'd received 20 times the amount of mail that they normally received during the months of an election year. Almost all the letters were complaints about the expansions of the federal government. Governor Adams had been continually consoling himself and his constituents that the federal government would settle down once those responsible for the Columbus bombing were apprehended. He held out hope that Brighton's paranoia would be checked once the Republican majority reigned in the wild pony of her executive orders. But he was growing disillusioned with Republican leadership. Although the Republicans had a slim control of Congress, liberals outnumbered conservatives two to one. There were so many rhinos, Republicans in name only, in leadership, that the conservative uprising in Congress had little effect on the legislation that actually passed. He knew that every unpopular thing that President Brighton did while in office increased the likelihood of the Republicans regaining control of the executive in the next presidential election, so it was in the interests of both parties to let Brighton's agenda continue largely unabated. Every day, his hope that the government's intrusiveness would relax looked more and more like naivete. As governor, Henry Adams was a fighter. He took on the federal monopoly of education and won. Charter schools and religious schools were blossoming all over the state. As a backlash to California's ban on homeschooling, the Texas legislature strongly protected the parental right to educate their children at home, and homeschooling thrived. Henry Adams took on the federal protection of illegal immigrants and won. He signed a bill that banned the distribution of welfare to illegal immigrants, the first of its kind in the entire United States. He signed a bill to evict hundreds of thousands of illegal immigrants back across the border into Mexico, in defiance of federal policies that extended leniency to the invaders. He rejected the federalized border patrol forces and the federal money that came with it, and he beefed up the border with the Texas Guard instead. The influx of illegal immigrants was reduced to a trickle in one day. The illegals flooded into California instead. He took on the liberals who fought against Texas death penalty statutes and won. Texas alone executed more capital criminals annually than most of the other states combined and earned a lower murder rate for it. He fought the gun control activists who worked tirelessly to tax and criminalize guns and ammunition, and he won. The citizens of Texas were taxed less and better armed than anyone else in the country. But duty now appeared to be misery without a finish line. It was the state of the Alamo, all right, and he felt like he was trapped inside as the federal arrows rained over the wall. He walked to the window and looked up to heaven with bloodshot eyes that had barely closed in sleep for two nights. Father in heaven, what do you want me to do? A buzz from the intercom on his cluttered desk broke the silence. Governor Adams? Rather than walk to his desk, he turned and walked out of the room. Yes, he said to the secretary. Oh, she turned in her chair to face him. The governor looked across the room and saw the face of his pastor, Robert Boniface, carrying his black leather-bound Bible. Governor Adams smiled for the first time that morning as he walked up to him. Your appointment is here, she informed him. Hello, Pastor Robert, he extended a hand to him. 
Good day, Henry. The thin gentleman with the young, strong face shook his hand vigorously. Pastor Robert's prematurely graying hair gave him the appearance of being much older than his otherwise youthful appearance would lead one to believe. You've lost a lot of weight, Adams noticed. Are you in good health? Great health, Boniface answered. Come into my office. Adams turned and led his pastor into his office, and he closed the door behind him. I have another appointment at ten, so let us get right to business. Adams leaned back in his chair and sighed deeply as his pastor sat in a chair across from his desk. The governor let an uneasy moment of silence preface the conversation. What do you think I should do about the federal government? I'm getting mixed messages from my cabinet. No option offered to me brings me satisfaction. Some of my counselors are urging me to do what's best for my political career, which is to talk loudly and do nothing. But what can I do? He shook his head and his face flushed. I feel so powerless, Pastor. Did you watch the DVD I sent you? The governor's countenance suddenly became drawn and sober. Where did you get that, anyway? It was given to me by a member of the congregation. It shocked me about as much as that hard truth video you gave me last week. Man, that has kept me awake at night. It should. You know, Henry, sometimes God doesn't speak plainly to us because we're not doing what he has already told us to do in his word. If we're not following the instructions he's already given, why should he give us more instructions? That'd just heap more judgment upon us, because to whom much is given, much is required. Adams didn't answer, but appeared humble and receptive, so Pastor Boniface moved forward to the edge of his seat and prepared for the showdown for which he had prayed so diligently. Henry, do you want my honest advice? I want you to tell me what you think God wants me to do, Pastor. He would certainly not let preborn babies continue to be killed in Texas. He tried to make eye contact with the Texas governor, but the governor's eyes were shifting back and forth to stacks of paper on his desk as he spoke. Look at me, Henry. Their eyes met, and Pastor Boniface said, he would not have appointed a homosexual to his cabinet like you did last year, caving into a very militant homosexual lobby. Oh, brother, here we go, thought Governor Adams, frowning and putting his head in his hands. Hey, Governor Adams interrupted his critic. He does his job well. The only reason you picked him, everybody knows this, Henry, the only reason you picked him is because the militant homosexual lobby insisted that you do it, and they would have called you a bigot and homophobe if you didn't. Rather than pick the qualified, morally upright man for the job you initially wanted, you caved into the left. Listen, Pastor, I am the most pro-life and pro-family governor this state's ever seen. Adams pointed his index finger at him, expressing his anger at the scrutiny. I signed the bill that forbade minors from getting abortions and contraceptives without parental consent. I strengthened the Fetal Pain Awareness Act. Do you realize how much political flack I received for signing those bills? I had pro-choice America calling me a chauvinist pig for weeks on the sidewalk outside. He motioned to the window in the room that faced the road. Texas conservatives know what I've gone through and a judge overturned some of those bills before the ink was even dry, a judge you appointed, once again caving into the liberals in doing so. You need to stop trying to regulate the murder of the innocent, Henry. You need to ban it. Stop playing political patty cake with the child killers and prosecute them. Now they're going to start killing the elderly and the handicapped, and the judges you picked are going to justify it. You've got to make it right. Here was a fork in the road. Henry Adams had taken the wrong turn at this juncture before for the sake of improving his chances of re-election. He knew that God's patience with him must be wearing thin. Should he swell up with pride and reject the reproof that resonated painfully with his conscience, or should he humble himself and confess his cowardice? He swallowed his pride. I admit that I shouldn't have appointed many of those candidates to the bench, but... He paused and searched for the proper words. He was going to say, I didn't have a choice, but he knew that Pastor Boniface would not fall prey to that lame excuse. I knew it! Henry Adams slapped his leg in frustration. I was wrong. I knew I shouldn't have caved into them, but what can I do now? Pastor Robert was impressed with the governor's humility. First, whatever you do, you have to stop fearing the enemy, Henry. When you embark on a right course of action, expect nothing but spite from the enemies of liberty. You've got to be strong in the power of God's might and not be in this for what you can get out of it. He nodded and sighed. You're right. I know you're right. 
He stood up and walked around his desk and sat in an elegant wooden chair beside his pastor. God help me. I understand the need for compromise in politics, Pastor Robert put a hand on the governor's shoulder, but you cannot compromise on your principles, like whether the arrest of innocent Christians or the assault and murder of innocent children and the handicapped and elderly should be allowed in Texas. You've got to stick to your guns on the fundamentals of righteousness and justice, Henry. Henry Adams balked and pulled away from his pastor's hand. There's this little problem called Roe v. Wade that's a sizable roadblock to outlawing all abortion, Pastor. The governor stood and began to pace in front of Robert Boniface. Pastor Robert shook his head and leaned back in his seat. It's nothing. Nothing? Nothing. It's as significant an obstacle to you as giants in the promised land were to Israel. If the giants in the promised land are going to keep you from conquering it, it's not the giants defeating you, it's unbelief. God will cause you to triumph in Christ if you trust and obey. Romans 13 says you should be a minister of righteousness to execute wrath upon evildoers. God doesn't give a command unless he also gives the strength to obey it. He will help you. And how can I fight abortion and physician-assisted suicide if I've been kicked out of office for defying the Supreme Court, or if I'm in prison for treason? The governor continued to pace back and forth in front of Pastor Boniface as he spoke. Are you more fearful of the Supreme Court of the United States than you are of the Supreme Court of Heaven? Henry Adams took a deep breath. What do you want me to do? He stopped directly in front of Pastor Robert and stretched his hands out toward him. What can I do? Defend the innocent and trust God to defend you. You want me to defend the innocent if it practically means declaring war on the federal government? They, Pastor Boniface said, pointing northeast, have declared war against the God of our forefathers for half of a century. They have declared war against the unborn, against the church, and against the sovereign state of Texas. You have the law of the land on your side, Henry. Pastor Robert patted his Bible with his hand. The Bible and the Constitution. It's time for Texas to pick a side, the right side for once, and see if God doesn't defend us. I think the people of Texas will stand by you, Henry, but you don't need them. One man plus God is a majority. I've heard you say that before, Pastor, but when you're a governor facing down the feds, it sort of transcends the theoretical. Pastor Boniface nodded. Is the Bible true or not? Who's the liar, the devil or God? Henry Adams sighed heavily and walked to the window, his eyes heavenward in a silent prayer. This advice, he realized, definitely wasn't good for his career. But when his vision focused past the patchy gray clouds and surveyed the limitless blue beyond them, he considered his career in light of eternity and felt so foolish for his obsession with pleasing man. Deep in his heart, he found his pastor's counsel to be strangely harmonious, as if this was something he knew all along but could never put into words. He wrestled not with whether Pastor Boniface was right, but with whether he would obey and risk the consequences. Pastor Robert sensed the governor's Gethsemane moment, and he felt inclined to warn him against counterfeit remedies. Henry Adams must do right for the right reason or he wouldn't go the distance. Pastor Robert stood and slowly walked toward him. I don't have all the answers for you, Henry, but I will tell you this. He placed a hand on his shoulder. I would not want to be in your shoes on Judgment Day, knowing that I governed a state where thousands of babies were murdered without the justice that I was commanded to provide. The governor sighed as his eyes studied the pro-life and pro-Second Amendment folks on the sidewalk below. They were heading toward one of the scheduled rallies in front of the state house. For a moment, they just watched the bustling sidewalk below. Some carried signs, others pushed strollers or pulled coolers of drinks on wheels. President Brighton is terrorizing our country, Henry. She is imprisoning good people, taking children from the homes of godly parents, disarming good Americans, killing innocent children, and trying to kill the elderly and the handicapped. Their eyes met, and Pastor Robert looked deep into the tired eyes of Henry Adams, trying to discern his sincerity. Protect them, Henry. He motioned to the crowds on the sidewalk below. You stopped the illegals at the southern borders. Now you need to stop the illegals at the northern border. Do you have plans today? There was a sparkle in the governor's eyes and renewed energy in his voice, and Pastor Robert's heart skipped a beat with hopeful optimism that Henry Adams was embracing his counsel. 
It depends. What do you need? Adams turned, walked to his desk, and pressed the button on the intercom. Jan? Yes, sir? Cancel my appointments for the rest of the day. Call the cabinet and organize a stat meeting at 12.30 in the statesman's room. I will be there tomorrow whether you'll stand by me or not, Henry Adams was adamant and unbending. You have everything to lose and nothing to gain. You already have the pro-life vote. You've proven yourself. To who? Governor Adams was perturbed by the resistance of his trusted cabinet members. To the voters? What about the victims of abortion who are executed while we sit and put our stock in pro-life legislation that doesn't protect them? What about the pro-lifers who are harassed by federal agents because of their views? You've done everything you can do, sir. Everything's safe, he snapped. You don't need to speak at a meeting of anti-abortion radicals in order to— That's enough. Adams waved a hand to cut off his cabinet's nearly unified protest. It's non-negotiable. I'm going. They're not all radicals. That is a caricature that the media has portrayed. There are a 100,000 Texans out there already, and the main rally isn't even scheduled till tomorrow. National Reet to Life is boycotting this protest, one of his aides responded. National Reet to Life isn't coming because it wasn't their idea, Pastor Robert Boniface interjected. They want Texas to continue to submit to judicial tyranny. One of Adams' cabinet members appeared upset that the governor's spiritual advisor had the audacity to offer his religiously motivated opinions in a gathering of political professionals. The governor has to worry about getting reelected, sir. He's not going to be your pawn for spiritual renewal. I'm going, Governor Adams insisted in a loud voice, silencing dissent by sheer volume. This will be the largest gathering of Texas-loving patriots in our state's history, and we are at a crossroads. Flush political expediency. I'm going, and I'm speaking. Robert Boniface affirmed Henry Adams' commitment with a strong amen. Even he was surprised with the governor's sudden, confident change in direction. Terry Markison broke the uneasy silence. He was the fiscally conservative homosexual Governor Adams had appointed to be the director of the Budget and Planning Division. He was a 35-year-old political science prodigy with phenomenal speed-reading skills and a memory noted in Guinness Book of World Records. He was in his second year of government service after a teaching career at the University of Texas, where he was the faculty advisor to the college Republicans. With all due respect, sir, may I speak freely? he asked warmly. Governor Adams took a deep breath and nodded. I can empathize with your concern over the liberal direction of the present administration, but, sir, she'll be out in half a year and— She'll win in November, someone rebutted. No one's coming close to her in the polls. Fine. Four and a half years, then. However, I suspect a strong conservative trend in politics after Brighton's agenda is abruptly terminated by a landslide defeat in 2024. In four years, if you play your cards right, you can be the Republican candidate for the President of the United States. Those words raised a few eyebrows around the table. If you play your cards right. A dozen sets of shiny white teeth flashed around the table at the thought. Even Governor Adams appeared to like the idea by the way his demeanor became more relaxed. He leaned back in his chair and fixed his eyes on his budget whiz. We are here to serve you, and our consensus is that your impulsive decision to speak at a rally of abortion protesters might undermine everything for which you've worked so diligently for so many years, even your anti-abortion legislation. If you participate, you will alienate the mainstream pro-life forces that voted you into office. There may be people present who promote violence against abortionists and the federal government. The FBI will probably arrest activists at this event. There will be people there burning American flags, Governor. If you associate yourself with them, you will betray your own cause. Heads around the room nodded, affirming Marcuson's judgment. I haven't thought about that. President of the United States? Sir, I beg of you to reconsider, Marcuson urged him. Texas law specifically states that we have a plural executive in Texas. You govern beside your cabinet, not in front of them. Henry Adams swallowed hard and looked at Pastor Robert in the corner chair. Robert patted his Bible in his lap and then winked at the governor. Adam turned his gaze back to Terry Markison. I'm not going to be part of the problem, playing politics as usual, giving lip service to the right to life, perpetuating the abortion holocaust with my apathy. Millions of Texans have been slaughtered with the blessing of Texas law. Not on my watch. Not anymore. From now on, innocent Texans are going to be protected. 
That goes for the elderly, the mentally and physically handicapped, pro-life protesters, and the pre-born. Are you going to put women on trial for getting an abortion? Terry Markison raised his voice to match the governor's passion. If you follow through with your newfound commitment to protect the unborn by banning abortion, you know that is where it leads. If you are not willing to go where the path leads, then why tread the first step on it? A pause filled with tension passed before he responded. First things first, Henry Adams said in a calmer tone. I'm going to that rally tomorrow, and I'm going to defend the right to life and plead for justice. I'm going to be a good steward of the governor's microphone. I'm going to stop worrying about pleasing constituents to get reelected, and I'm going to start doing the right thing. Regardless of the consequences? Markison asked. Henry Adams nodded, his eyes fixed on his pastor, who smiled and gave him a thumbs up. Yes, Adams said, regardless of the consequences. Thank you for listening to this reading from The Revolt of 2020. This chapter was read by Daniel Meyer and engineered by Park Leacock. The Revolt of 2020 and its sequels, The American Tyranny of 2020, and The Uncivil War of 2020, are available for purchase at docjohnstonnovels.com. That's docjohnstonnovels.com. O Lord, turn us back to you. Forgive our sins and heal our land.